0: Hey there, and welcome to our podcast. And thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we wanna remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now enjoy the episode. And the piano keys are quiet. Uh, The Word of God is is um, we're going to dig into that, and you know the preaching time is worship time. It's all worship, and so um, if you're new to our service, and let me say this: uh, if you are new, we are thankful that you're here. You could be a lot of the places. Uh, I pray uh, that you have felt welcome, I pray that you feel loved and uh, most importantly we want you to be able to leave here knowing that you heard the gospel clearly and uh, that's what we want to do from God's word. This is an exciting portion of scripture here in Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're in a series um, just continuing on. Really marching through the gospel of Matthew is mostly what it's been but sometimes are um, you know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the, uh, the canonical or the synoptic gospels. They blend together and give you the fullness of each, you know, story. Some speak to it, some don't. But uh, we're not going to be in Matthew today. I want to read from Mark's account. It's really, I guess, would be considered the longest part of this, this miracle. Matthew does mention, it's just a little shorter, uh, but, but Mark gives a little more detail to this, so I want to read Mark chapter 2, and um, and we'll pick up in verse 1, the very beginning part of the chapter, and read through verse 12. And uh, if you're familiar with the story about uh, there was a man who was essentially paralyzed from the waist down, and his friends carried him to Jesus. Beautiful story, a true account of history, and I want us to glean from it today. I believe everybody can glean from this message. Amen. There's not a message you can't glean from. And so I just encourage you, don't really hear my voice. I want you to prepare your heart, humble yourself, just to hear what God has to say from His Word. Okay? And so uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Amen. God's Word says this. And again, he entered into Capernaum. Of course, that's Christ and his inner circle of men. It says, after some days, and it was noised um, that he was in the house. In other words, the news spread. He was back at this this particular house. Some believe this was uh, the place that Jesus stayed a lot there in Capernaum. and straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. So, you, you couldn't even get to the door. I mean, there was that many people had, had come to this house. Um, and they come to him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Okay, so, so one that was, could not walk, paralyzed, which was born of four. So he was, had you know, three other siblings. It says and when they could not come nigh to him for the press, and we're not talking about you know, some local news station here, uh, we're talking about the, the, the press of the people trying to get to him. So it was sort of the people trying to, to, to bump an elbow and trying to just hear the words of Christ. That, that, was, that was the atmosphere. And it says here, they uncovered the roof. So when they couldn't get through the door, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken it up, Uh, They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know That the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Let's say that verse together, shall we? Ready to begin. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And our last verse And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. In other words, we've never seen anything like this before. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, we are so thankful for this time together. Father, I just want to be completely obedient to your spirit. So um, mute my tongue if I would say anything outside of your spirit's leadership. I only want to be obedient to you. I'm not not here to be a spectacle of myself. I'm not here to draw attention to myself. Father, my voice and me standing here today is to draw the attention to you. I want people to see you, believer, believer. Or an unbeliever, all alike. I want them to see you. I want them to turn to you. I want them to run to you. So I want to be obedient and pray, I, Father. I pray that we would not let any minor thing or any anything at all that would take away from the experience that we need today from the Spirit. The devil is going to—he's in attendance. He always works hard in worship services to distract. Our flesh, our to-do list are always there. But God, I pray that your Spirit help us, Lord, to be dead to all of those things, but only alive and attentive to you. And I pray each one would respond to how you're leading them today. Father, hide me behind the cross. Help me to disappear and vanish from the stage, that they only hear your voice today. Thank you, Lord, for saving me 23 years ago, I pray all this in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. I want to speak to you a message entitled, it's really the title of a question, who has authority to forgive sin? Or I would say specifically, forgive your sin. Um, And where we've come to an account of scripture, that Christ hits that head on. You're going to find that's the whole point of this miracle is to prove who has the authority to forgive sin and not just to give the the clarity of who has the authority to forgive sin but also who does not have the power to give forgiveness of sin. There's a lot of people today leaning in and trusting things, religion, organizations, pastors, priests, etc. that they have the power themselves to forgive sin. But the Word of God is going to tell us very quickly that the forgiveness of sin converges on one person, and His name is Jesus. And uh, I can only tell you here today that I have been forgiven of my unbelief and have been given new life and forgiveness and peace only because of the grace and mercy of Christ, and that and that alone. Um, have Have you ever watched a movie that was one of those movies that come to the end... But it was a cliffhanger. Don't you love those? Oh, you, say, you empathize. I, thank you. I appreciate that. It just hurts you at the end. What's the, what's the three words that hit the screen at the very end? <laughs> You've been there. You felt my pain. To be continued. You wanted. What, what's the end? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, this passage here is really a to be continued of the forgiveness of God. Uh, we, last time that uh, I had the uh, opportunity and pleasure to preach, we understood that there was forgiveness given through a miracle of Christ. We're seeing this again, but Jesus is doing a little extra here by letting them know, I just don't want you to think that, that I'm just a prophet giving forgiveness. I'm the Son of God who has all authority to give forgiveness. and So that's the punchline of this today. And um, Have you ever heard the saying, if there is a will, then there is a way. You heard that? Well, I'm, I'm very glad and happy and thrilled to be able to say that there is a will of God, that none should perish, but that all come to repentance and faith. And so because there is a, that will of God, God made a way. So if there is a will, there is a way. So we serve a God that had a will, and He carried it out in Christ, and He's willing to give you that forgiveness as well. So there is a will, there is a way. And I'll tell you, Christ has made a way, but the unbeliever must surrender their will. And so the only way that I can tell you that I've been forgiven is because I, I, I came into my pride. I surrendered my will and cried out to Christ to receive Jesus, receive His forgiveness of my unbelief and sin. And can I tell you, God's faithful to that. He is. And so I just want to dive into this to answer this question. Who has authority to forgive our sin? So quickly, I want us to see, first of all, we see that people heard where Jesus could be found. Aren't you thankful that you come to the knowledge of understanding that you knew where Jesus could be found? They said, and I love this, it said that there was a noise about the town there in Capernaum, and it says that that he was in the house, you know, so he was in a, a particular house there, and he could be found And I just want to tell you today, Jesus is always in a place where he can be found. But I want to drive home the point, are we as Christians living our life where Christ can be seen? You know, the truth is always where Jesus can be found. Just on the other side of a repentant heart, you're going to find Jesus giving you forgiveness. But Christ needs to be seen. And really, where is the first place Um, or I could say from whom, the world needs to see Jesus clearly from you. Every believer, as you walk out into this world, this world needs to see Jesus from your life. As it's been said many times, you're the first Bible many people gets to read you. How did all of this gathering of people end up at the house where Jesus was? Was it just some people saying, Lord, I just pray that you will make known by some other means that, that, hey, they'll just sort of figure it out on their own that Jesus is in this place and they can find him? No, there were some people telling other people, hey, Jesus is at the house. And I'll tell you this, they didn't do it so doom and gloom either. They weren't the kind of Christians that were bored with Christ. I think, Brother Eddie, that's an epidemic in our churches. There's boredom with God. There's boredom. And and, and I would would just say this, and and oftentimes, why would you say there's boredom? Because sometimes it's seen from here. When it's time to worship, not everybody's worshiping. Why? Maybe because you're bored with God. When the preaching's happening, we're not in there listening, not because I'm a good preacher, just because I'm here just telling you what God has said. We should be excited about that, right? But some aren't too excited, they're distracted. Why? Maybe you're bored with God. These people were not bored with God. Hey, we're going to go to see Jesus. We want you to come. And sadly, a lot of these, as Capernaum, as we'll read a little bit later on in the conclusion of the sermon, a lot of Capernaum never turned to faith. So It's safe to say there were people here that didn't really fully come to faith, yet they were spreading the word. Wow. I want to encourage you, dear friend, there are souls that need your voice talking about Jesus and where they can find him. And your life needs to be enthusiastic about the fact that you know Christ. As the church of Ephesus, they, they, lost, they lost the attention of their first love, right? Getting back excited again. David said, that it renewed me the joy of my salvation. Christians can become a little dull, dull and dreary and become an Eeyore of the faith, Right? Drooping around, just wagging our tail as if the rain cloud's always over us. There was no rain clouds right here. There was enthusiasm here. And so we find this news was scattered abroad, and there was so many people you couldn't even see the doorframe. Can I ask you a question? Wouldn't you think if everybody was excited about God and not bored with Him, there'd be more new faces in this worship service? I believe so. Maybe the boredom is a reality for you. I encourage you to get back on your knees, get back in God's Word, and God will get you excited again. Amen. No Christian is above allowing, the, allowing their faith, their Christianity to become a little dull. It happens. The, your flesh is, is a persuasive instrument the devil the demons that follow the, the Satan is a, a very instrumental hey won't you just you know uh, go do some other thing you can always worship later the devil is good at persuasion the demons are good at persuasion but I tell you something those excuses are not valid excuses at all. They will leave you barren in your life. And then, and then people come to me, Brother Josh, they'll come to a despairing moment in their life, and it's as if they have no faith. And I begin to wonder did this come because you began to get bored with God? You weren't walking with Him, you weren't praying. It's been a while since you've been to worship service, you're not living, living a life of sacrifice. Folks, the things that I don't do it's probably because I have no interest and I'm bored with it. That's usually the case. And I encourage you, dear Christian, if you've become a little bored, hit your knees and say, God, excite me again. This world needs excited believers. We have a reason to be. It's not a dead Savior we worship. He's alive and He's willing to save all who will come to Him, repentance and faith, receiving Him by faith into their heart. You know, you're going to find... Because there was excitement about where Jesus was. That, that was the segue of this paralytic man being carried by his friends. They heard about Christ and the, and the message was a message of enthusiasm. So secondly, you're going to find all this was coming about. And then secondly, we see Jesus was the answer um, to his, these friends and this paralytic man. He's always, he's always the answer. And you'll find here in our text where it says they, they were pressing. They, they were pressing to come to Christ. And uh, simply, they were pressing uh, so they could hear what he had to say. Has, has there ever been someone, maybe a, a speaker, maybe they were a, uh, um, an elite speaker on a certain topic or maybe it was a convention or whatever and they were just you know the top of of the class of speaking toward that or whatever it may be. Uh, Maybe you went to some of those events and you want to be where you can hear where that person of authority and influence you want to hear clearly what they have to say because you've come there knowing I need what they have to say. These people were coming, whether very vainly or whatever. They were coming because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. The words of Jesus meant something, at least to some effect. Now, I'll tell you this. These people carrying this man who was a paralytic, they knew they needed the words and the touch of Jesus. That's why they came. That's why they came. So when people begin to think and begin to see you wander from following Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, they begin to think maybe you're not so confident in the touch of Jesus on your life anymore. Maybe you're just not so confident in the benefits of worship anymore. The world needs to see that you believe the touch of Jesus is the most important thing to you. The words of Jesus are the most important thing to your life. We should never be bored with Christ. These friends not only wanted to be where Jesus was themselves. This, this, this. When I read this, it brings me to more fervor to reach out. These friends not only themselves wanted to hear Jesus, but they wanted their dear friend to hear Jesus. How many of y'all have dear friends? Can I get you to raise your hand? Okay, I'll get you with this. How many of you got Family. Same group of hands. I didn't get any more. I don't know. I thought that would have got everybody that time. Do they not? Do you believe they need to hear Christ? Do you believe they need to be touched by Christ? Then help get them to where they can hear Christ. First of all, you go to them. You've got the message. Tell them. Invite them to come to worship where they can hear. We don't bite. Amen. Uh, We're we're here to to tell you about the love of Jesus, that He can change your life, right? Go from heaven, go from hell to heaven to have new life and peace between them and God. They took notice the measures. Folks, I'm telling you, these friends have not been at church and heard all the preaching, many of you have for years. These friends have not learned even deeper truths that you've learned about Christ. A lot of things, you know, the New Testament wasn't written then. Now we have the whole Scripture, and we learn even the deeper things of God, which should really bring joy to our hearts and, and love toward the Lord. These friends didn't even have all of those written down truths. But notice the measures they took to get one person to Christ. Notice, it says they, they, they couldn't come to the door. Look at verse And When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered. What this? They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they laid down the, the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. You know, what brought them to acting in such a way as they did? Now, the, the roof systems, you may not know this, but may, many of you may know this as well. The roof systems there, they were flat, all right, and using materials that were, were, were a little different than ours, where you could fairly easily begin to take the material off the roof and, and lay it back and, and, and create a hole there, and that's what they did, and the houses would have, most of them would have an exterior staircase, so they found the stairs, they walked up the stairs and they found a place there where roughly where Jesus was, and they uncovered the roof materials and they began to let him down. What was what's one word you can say that brought them to doing what they did? It starts with F. Faith. Faith in action is what you're seeing here. So, dear friends, if you say, I've got faith that Jesus can save souls, I got faith that God can use me to share the gospel, I got faith that God can use even what little I have for the big impacts of this world, and you're doing nothing and going nowhere, dear friends. Your faith are words. That's not a real faith. Can I tell you something about these folks? Their faith was alive. And they, you know what they, you know what they said or what they didn't say? They went to these extreme measures. Extreme measures. You know what they were simply believing in their heart? No is not an option. No is not an option. They didn't have have this philosophy. Well, maybe next time we can get him there. Better luck next time. We'll, We'll get him to Christ. No, it wasn't a... They didn't believe there could be a next time. Jesus is here now. We know He's here. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. We're getting Him. No matter what is in our way, we're going to Him. Can you imagine what Russell County would look like if every Christian operated like that? I don't care what the cost. If I've got to remove my schedule, if I've got to have less money in the bank, I'm going to Jesus and I'm taking people with me. That's that's the attitude they had. They didn't have the book of Colossians that said Jesus is the one who completes us. But they believed it. You have a Jesus-shaped hole in your soul, and he's the only one who can fill it. They believed that. They believed that only God had power to forgive sin and give peace with God. They understood that the only way their friend can come to Jesus... Listen. The only way they knew their friend could come to Jesus was in the condition that he was in. Let that sink in for a second. What are you getting at, Brother Josh? I've heard so many people tell Brother Josh, I'll clean my life up and then I'll come. Let me make some changes and start looking a little more spiritual and then I'll come to Christ. Can I tell you something? You can't come to Christ any other way than the way you are. And the gospel has opened that kind of door. If Jesus had only done part of the work for your salvation, then we may be having a different message today. But Jesus says, it's finished. There is no work for you to do. You can't do the work. All you can do is say, Lord, here's my faith. I trust only Christ because he's done the work and he's offering forgiveness. He's offering forgiveness. This man had to come as a paralytic. You have to come with your sin. But aren't you thankful you can come with your sin, but also with repentance? Huh? That's the only way I could come. I was a sinner. You may say, well, I've not done a lot of bad things. Folks, we inherited a sin nature, and it just takes one little miss. You've broken God's law. You're guilty. You're guilty. But I'm thankful God doesn't give us the bad news without the good news. The good news wouldn't be so good if we didn't have the bad. He said, hey, you're, 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 you're dead in your sins, your trespasses. We're going to dive into that tonight. I encourage you to come back tonight in the book of Ephesians. But they understood the only way this man's getting there, we gotta, we got to bring him to Jesus the way he is. And I'm so thankful. I don't care if you've got drugs in your life, you've got pornography in your life. I don't care if you've lied and cheated or stole or whatever, dear friend. Jesus, come as you are and repent and believe. That's the message. That's the message. It's not because we're a bunch of just perfect people in here. No, we're broken people being put together by Christ. That's the kind of people we are. So, dear friend, there's a loving Savior. You know why, you know the, that's why the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. The love of Jesus. And dear friend, can I tell you something? That's why there must be a sacrifice between you and God. And you know what? Over 2,000 years ago, there was a sacrifice between you and God if you'd receive him. When you trust Jesus, God doesn't just look at you anymore. He looks at you through Jesus and declares you forgiven and forever forgiven of unbelief. Thirdly, I want you to see that Jesus rewarded their faith. Aren't you thankful Jesus never ignores the faith of an individual? even if it's small. Jesus said even the, the faith of the size of the grain of a mustard seed, right? Jesus saw their faith. You could say at one point these people were probably pagan people. I don't know what all their history was, but they came, and he saw their faith. It was, if you notice here, as they uncovered the roof and they let him down, it says... Uh, and verse five, and when Jesus saw their faith, He said. So we see that what 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 uh, prefaced the, the word what Jesus is getting ready to say was faith from those individuals. It's impossible to please God without faith, complete one hundred percent faith in the person of Jesus, trusting, depending on Him as Savior. So when He saw their faith, He knows the kind of faith you have and where you've placed it. When He saw their faith in Him, this is what He said. Son, don't you love that? Son. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. This is the first thing he said. He didn't go to the physical healing part yet. He spoke to the root of the problem. You see, not, not every situation in, in Scripture you'll find someone has a, maybe a handicap or an illness or whatever. Not always is it a result of sin in their life, but this guy, it was. He started with, sons, your sins be forgiven, and then you're going to find he heals them physically. This man knew he was a sinner. <laughs> the people handing him down knew he was a sinner, and they were too. But it says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I begin to think about this man's life after. I haven't got to the part where he says you're healed physically. But I, I, I have to imagine that after this, I would say even just this moment, For even say the physical healing never happened, and he remained a paralytic. I would say he would go the rest of his life thanking God for his condition. This coming about, In his life was no doubt God's way of saying, come to me. It's amazing sometimes we will blame God for this happened to me and that happened to me as if, you know, God has no clue and, you know, it just sort of passed under the radar on God. God allows many things to happen, come into our lives that may be unpleasant and don't feel good. It may change your life and what that looks like. Can I tell you something? Everything that God permits and allows is an instrument to bring you to him. Why do you say that? Because my God is able to take anything and everything in this world that happens and work it out for good. And the greatest good that can ever happen to you is you come to Christ. It's the goodness of God who leadeth you to repentance. And so this paralytic part, stemming from the sin in his life, what may seem like a curse, and it was, but dear friend, it was a blessing. Because think about this. He may have never have come to Christ... If he still had his legs. Everybody's heart's at a different phase of hardness, is it not? As you get older and older, your heart, the more you push Christ away, the harder it gets. We may see this in a fleshly sense, that I can't believe God allowed this, but in a spiritual sense, thank God he did, because here he is at the foot of Christ. Being called a son. I would rather be called a son and not have my legs than have my legs and end up in hell. That, I mean that. Because this life is a temporary thing. But eternal life is what kind of life? Again, I give you easy questions, church. It's eternal life. And here, if I don't have my legs here, I'll have them there. So you need Jesus here. Uh, you know, Psalm. the psalmist said, Psalm 119 and verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I might learn thy statutes. When some of the moments that you've been closest to the Lord? That's when life wasn't so easy. Why? Because we, be, we become forgetful and sometimes we get bored with God. Being so silly thinking that we can go on enjoying life without the Lord, God is our joy. He is our life. He is our peace. He is our sustainer and our provider. He he is all those things. Can I tell you something? You forget that sometimes. Maybe you forget it a lot of times. I don't know. But I know I have forgotten it before. But, dear friends, we need the hand of God working in our life, whatever needs to bring us closer back to Him. Can I tell you something? Why this is so big? He says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Um, Here's an illustration, a story that I came across. It says, someone asked an elderly Christian lady, does the devil ever trouble you about your past sins? She answered, yes. When the inquirer asked what she did then, she replied, oh, I I just tell him to go east. Well, she was asked, well, what do you do when he comes back? He said, I just tell him to go west. And when he comes back from west, what do you do then? She said, I just keep him going from east to west. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I thought that was a great story. That's why this is so big. There's not an iniquity or a sin that God doesn't take care of when you trust him. He makes you new, completely new. You say, well, do you mess up after you saved? Yeah, you're looking at one that messes up and doesn't have it all together. But First John tells us that my Savior is also an advocate. And he says, hey, dear child... Just like I had to ask mom and dad forgiveness growing up. He's my father. So I'm told to come to him in prayer and say, Lord, Father, forgive me. I've disobeyed you. You know what God does? He's faithful and just to forgive you. Why? Because he has authority to forgive you of your unbelief. And he also has authority to forgive his believing child a moment of disobedience. He's the forgiving Savior and the forgiving Father. But Jesus lied. You think all this good and all this stuff that Jesus is doing, it's good. There's nothing bad about it. We find he had some critics. And you look here, it says that when he said, not even the, the healing part, the, but the, the spiritual healing, it says it was scribes uh, coming. This was the religious elites of the day. They came and they were sitting there. So you can imagine. You can imagine doing this. And they got there early, by the way. They were there, they could see and they could hear a lot of things. They wasn't back in the back, they got there. They wanted to poke holes in the ministry of Jesus. So you could sit there, you could see them sort of sitting there on the edge just trying to write down some things they could, you know, put against Christ. They tried. But don't you think when Jesus is always a step ahead of the accuser? It's good. And uh, one thing, they they got caught off guard. It says he read their mind. (laughs) <laughs> can, you, can you imagine that? Them sitting there thinking, they don't know why we're here. He don't know why we're here, but we're going we're gonna to take care of him. He starts speaking up and reads their mind like putting on... It's Well, like oh, wouldn't that just make us all quiver if God put your mind up here on the screen just like that? Oh. We wouldn't have to have the piano strike a chord for the altar to be full, would we? it just boom, boom. That's what would happen, all, including me. But that's what he did. It's like putting their mind on a screen. Some of these say, "Well, isn't, isn't God the only one who can forgive? Is God the only one who can forgive?" You know, I agree with Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this event. He said, "I wonder how much more beneficial to these scribes would it have been if they'd have came with a humble heart and not cared so much about their? Polity and religion and position. Just coming to hear Christ. This was a gospel issue happening here. This was a deliverance of a soul issue. But they came with sidelined issues because it threatened their position. You know what what hurts so much is what Christ is getting ready to do. You see, notice what Jesus' response is here. So Jesus' response to the critics, notice what happens. Um... He says, why do you say these things in your heart? Notice verse 9. Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. In verse 10, here is the reason why I'm doing both. So that you may know, every one of you know, that I have the authority to forgive this man's sin. Because what did he have claimed all up till now? I'm the Son of God. I'm the Father of one. He's going to, he proclaims that. But they, they, they weren't concerned. I'd encourage you all the most benefit you're going to get from Christ is not focusing on the little things, but focusing on the gospel in Christ. But you're going to find what happens. See, here's what, there are many people that could say, hey, your, son, your sins be forgiven thee, but who would really know? Right? I mean, I could say, hey, Michael, your sins be forgiven you. But how would you know? But if, But if Christ did a miracle backing up what he said, then that told everybody he is who he said he was. And guess what happened? He did the miracle after he forgave his sins. And that told the scribes and the the religious elite there, uh, they said, hey, I'm God. You're not. He also said, these guys that have really took advantage of you with with religion, etc., they can't forgive your sin, but I can. Oh, they didn't like that. That was a threat to the money they made and their position and all that. And so we find that Jesus says, you know, these scribes can't forgive you. Your pastor can't forgive you. Religion, the Sanhedrin, they can't forgive you. But I am God, and I can, and I'm willing. That's why he did both things. He said, I forgive you. And then notice this wonderful thing here. He says, dear son, notice what he says. I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way. Into thy house. I love what Warren Wiersbe said about forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price, And it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Amen and amen to that. Couldn't have said it any better myself. But can I point something out to you, dear church? Jesus always looks within. He put these scribes, struck fear in them. He said, here's your mind. Why are you thinking that? Can I tell you something? Jesus still knows the mind of every one of you today. He still knows the heart of every one of you today. He knows where if you've placed your faith in Christ or if you have not. And he continues to say to come. He knows the truth about. You may fool the pastor some of the time. You may fool God's people most of the time. But you won't fool God, you tell me. Any of the time. Any of the time. These men were caught in their own trap and condemned by their own thoughts. Dear friend, don't think a facade of religion is going to be welcomed into heaven. Your sins deeper than a facade. So therefore, your 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 receiving of Christ must be deeper than a facade. It's got to get to the heart. It's got, he's got to be received. The Bible says you're separated from God. You, if you stood before God the way you are without Jesus, here's the most, here's the most terrifying thing, moment you'll have in your life, is that you're going to stand as an unbeliever before a holy and righteous and, listen to me, just God. And the only thing God can do toward an unrepentive and unbelieving sinner is reject you. But he don't want to. But because of who he is, he's just and holy. He has to. And he will be faithful to who he is on Judgment Day. But if you stand in Christ, he will also be true to himself and say, Welcome home. Son, daughter, welcome home. I want us to stand to our feet. I'm done. Stand to our feet ever so quietly, please. And I'm going to give some. Just a few questions to you before we close. Ever so quietly, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask Sister Arb just to begin to play quite softly as, as you get settled, Miss Arb. This morning, I don't want you to follow the pattern of the folks in Capernaum. Because here's the sad thing of what happened. They come running to Christ... But as quickly as they ran to Christ, they walked away from him. Let me share with you this, Mark eleven, twenty verse twenty-three and twenty-four. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, um, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he hath. Therefore I send to you also things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Therefore I want you to put your faith and trust in Christ. The Gospel of Mark tells us that if if Sodom had what they had in Capernaum, Christ and his message, Sodom and Gomorrah would have turned. He said it's going to be harder for those in Capernaum on Judgment Day than those in Sodom and Gomorrah. Can I tell you something? Don't follow the, the pattern of Capernaum, don't turn Christ away. Dear Christian, are you excited or are you bored with Christ? Do you find yourself clinging to Christ, running to Christ? Do you find yourself in His Word? Do you find yourself worshiping? Do you find yourself giving a sacrifice to the Lord? If you find none of those things in your life, you're bored with Jesus. Are you telling others where they can find Christ? Are you bringing others to Christ? Are you more of a critic of little things or serving Christ for the main things? Will you leave here today, unbeliever, denying the truth that Jesus died and rose again and will give you forgiveness today? He'll give you new life from the point that you are right now. Each one of you need to turn to Christ as he's leading you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. So thankful for your word. And I just pray, Lord, help us to humble our hearts and come to you, and that our